Live from the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023. Thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Getting set for today's practice. The Players Club. Powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning. All electric and built for tough. Matt Smith in for Nate Jackson and Orlando Franklin today alongside Chad Brown. And, of course, here on the fan, Training Camp 2023 is on the air thanks to Ting Internet. If you live in Centennial, make Ting your Lightspeed Internet provider for as low as $89 a month. Go to ting.com slash centennial for more info. Chad Brown. Hey. We're here at the denversports.com zone. Good morning to you. Live across the street from Broncos Training Camp where... I mean, Chad, this is closing holes here as it comes to actual training camp itself. These are the last few days here, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Yeah, it's uh, the days of six weeks of training camp, the days of the long, tough days of summer. All that's gone, man. This is Camp Cupcake. Not that Seishan Page run a different camp. It has not run a different camp than Nathaniel Hackett has, but just <clears throat> looking at the training camp process mm. versus just – Five years ago, definitely from 10 years ago, definitely from my time, it's amazing how much things have changed. Okay, so you're still stuck in uh, in my day. You know, we had to run uphill both ways. No, and, no, no. You know, we couldn't stop till we all threw up. I just, I just think there is a certain way to prepare for football. Hmm. And if your body is going to withstand the rigors of the season, it's got less to do with the Broncos and Sean Payton and more just to do with, I don't think this process services the players as well as it once did. So you want two-a-days back in the, in the fold here, you know, is that what you're asking No, I'm for? not looking for, uh, you know, the, the gauntlet with Bear Bryant. I'm not looking to punish people just to punish people. Right. But there is a line, and I think we've gone too far past the line. Two a days for two weeks in a row in pads every day my rookie year. That was insane, Bill Cower. Right. That didn't serve us well. But towards you know the end of my career, we're, we're training camp structured in a way that was probably the right perfectly in the middle, just enough physical work, just enough mental work where you develop some mental toughness, some tough skin. You're able to override the swords, not report to the training staff every time something got hurt. But you're also not so light where they are right now that I don't think you were able to hit the ground running on the first regular season game. Well, we are, of course, live at the DenverSports.com zone. If you're driving by, shoot us a wave or, you know, give us a honk here. We are, we're only out here for a few more days here, Chad. And, and you know, you haven't, I think you were off yesterday, yeah? Yes, I was. Yes, so you haven't had a chance to react to Friday night's preseason game between the Broncos and Cardinals. And I said this yesterday on the drive with DMAC, but... You know, and you tell me how you feel about it, but I think we're kind of at the stage now where I'm almost less interested in the takeaways from the actual practice because unless you can prove it on the field on in, for preseason on Saturdays, I, this is a results-based business, right? And, and you need to see progress, but at the very same time, I, I, I'm more interested in what you can do game to game now, now that we're into game action, than what, what we're going to see in an individual practice, right? Well, I think early in camp, the divide between what you see in practice and what you see in the games can be pretty big. But as the season goes along and as the preseason goes along, that divide should get smaller and smaller. Okay, I've never been on a good team that did not practice well. A good team, you know, a good team finds a way to show up every single day and, and, and perfect their craft, perfect the, the art of football. And if you are having crappy practice, but you're able to put it together in a game, that means at some point you're going to be that practice performance and unevenness is going to show up on game time. The best teams find a way to 
continue to improve their practice performances. Now, of course, you every once in a while going to lay an egg. Yes, it's the it's the NFL, guys. It's human nature is involved in this, but the Broncos can fit, need to find ways to continue to improve their consistency in practice because that will show up in the games. So I'm writing it off too early. Uh no, I wouldn't say you're writing off. Are you are you writing off practice? Not that, no, I'm I'm writing off the fact that I'm going to see groundbreaking takeaways that are going to matter more than what we see in the preseason games themselves. Uh, right. Yes, I think you're putting too much onto some kind of wow factor of practice. Practice is not always wow. It's more steadiness. Right. If you're going out there to practice to perform, then you're missing the opportunity to actually practice. I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. The competition battles out here at, you know, on, at, on the field here at Centura Health Training right. Center, they don't matter. There's another great listener driving by. They don't matter as much as the competition battles that take place in San Francisco on Friday. I mean, I don't think that's you can a better that. way to put it. That is a much better way to put okay. it. Absolutely. I agree with that. All right. So after seeing Sean Payton, because it's the new era, we finally got our first taste of what it's going to look like to see Sean Payton coach the Broncos. What were your initial takeaways with how he handled things? We'll get into everything here over the course of the morning. We got plenty of time, but this is the shiny new toy in Broncos country is yet again another new head coach. Uh, I, I think the fact that he sent the offense out for a fourth drive shows that Sean Payton is not going to be beholden to something he said in a press conference. He's not going to back down in the face of, oh my gosh, well, I, I, my guy's got 14 plays. And I said, you know, 15 to 18. Right. And I don't want to upset my guys, all my veteran starters. I, I got to handle these guys with, with kid gloves. No, get back out there. Have a better drive. Perform as I know you should be able to perform. That's what Sean Payton's going to do. So I thought that was just a, a, a microcosm, that one decision of how I think his entire tenure here is going to go. Right, and we got a taste of Sean Payton right away because it was the first drive, Chad. He, he had to pull out the challenge flag. I'm back. You right. know, he threw it out there on the uh, on the catch near the sideline. He, he obviously ends up losing it. And I said this to Kyle on our Sunday show. I said, that's almost a rite of passage for New Broncos coach. <laughs> Coaches, right? Losing a challenge. Let's get one out of the way. You're one of us now, right? We experienced it with Vic Fangio and Nathaniel Hackett and Sean Payton got into the mix. But look, I, you know, did, did you like the fact that he was was aggressive there and using the challenge? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, now is the time to do all those things, to work on the mechanics of all those things. Because there's a mechanics to throwing a challenge flag. If the coach doesn't have eyes on, he talks to somebody upstairs. He wants to make sure whoever he's putting his trust into to see those kinds of things can report to him accurate information. So everything needs to be polished up. Everything needs to go through the process of practice and coaching and reviewing and continuing to improve the process. Right. And we'll, we'll get to the first team offense here and our takeaways from these drives. But on the whole, and you tell me if you saw something differently, but by the time Nathaniel Hackett got fired, in what was it after week 15 mm-hmm. on Christmas Day? Could you tell me what the offensive identity for the Denver Broncos was? No, uh, I don't think a Bronco player could have accurately described it. Guys who were in the building could accurately describe it. There was, let's not forget, they were going to be a wide zone team, and they mm-hmm. abandoned that early in the season. So just the lack of identity, the lack of off season installation, which then leads to in season confidence. You, Nathaniel Hackett broke that process early, so he gave his team no chance to have a true identity, something they could hang their hat on. Plus, you were trying to meld together your offense and Russell Wilson's offense, and Russell Wilson was teaching his offense on Tuesday mornings to the guys, and you were installing your offense on Wednesday afternoons right. to the guys. Jeez. How was that ever going to actually uh. work versus what we are now seeing with 
one person in charge. So you would venture to say that they didn't have an identity through 15 weeks of the season last yes, year. Yes, that was a very long way of answering your question and saying, no, they did not. Right. Well, I don't know if you saw it, but I certainly saw it week one of the preseason. I saw staples of what Sean Payton is trying to do in this offense. We saw the boot game. We saw the run to set up play action. We saw a lot of the things that we have been promised with the arrival of Sean Payton, at least conceptually, the beginning of the implementation stage. And, and look, that was more identity in week one of the preseason, in my opinion, than we saw all last year with Nathaniel Hackett. Wait, 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 wait. You're, you're in the tell- first four drives. You're telling me yeah. that it is possible to have an offense yeah. where a run play has a play action pass based off of it. Chad, I know, I know. I'm reinventing the wheel here, but this is what I'm telling you. There's a off that same run action? And you're going to disguise it the same way. Is there a waggle off of that same? There may just be, Chad. Is there a, like a counter or reverse off of that same run action? I've got it in my back oh pocket. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. We're actually stacking up plays. That is amazing. Yes, that is a good thing. That's a wonderful sign for the Broncos offense. And, and to me, it was just refreshing, Chad, because mm-hmm. we've been mired in the muck of bad coaching and bad play calling and bad play design and bad scheme for, what, the better part of the last five, six years, Chad? I mean, now look at what they have yeah. on the field right now. And it's a small, obviously, sample size, but really encouraging signs if you take it into account that this will be a process, right? Rome wasn't built overnight, and neither will a winning team down here at the Valley. Uh, by the way, if you're out at training camp here today, stop by the denversports.com zone and grab a bottle of water, courtesy of our friends over at Gravina's. I'll be grabbing myself one of those. It's a gorgeous day right now. We're, we're getting lucky here in the early part of the week because later in the week, we're getting back up into the high 90s, but at least the latest I saw forecast about low 80s or so today. So I'll take it every single day of the week, Chad. When we come back, let's dive into that first. Oh, it's 69 today. Oh, wait, am I wrong? It's supposed to be 92 today. A high of 93. The forecast changed, though me oh, last sorry. night it's at 75 today <laughs> thanks colorado that's colorado though hey, you, you don't know like the weather just wait it'll change just wait five minutes chad when yeah. we come back you wait five minutes we'll be talking about the first team offense and russell wilson chad's takeaways next Live from the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023. Thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Getting set for today's practice. The Players Club. Powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning. All electric and built for tough. Matt Smith in for Nate Jackson and Orlando Franklin on the Players Club today alongside Chad Brown. Chad, we're here live from Training Camp 2023 in the DenverSports.com zone. Thanks to our friends from Cod Construction, a commercial general contractor specializing in tenant improvement and design build projects for over three decades. That's Con K-A-H-N Construction. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this first-team offense and Russell Wilson. We just spoke about how we started to see signs, Chad, of an offensive identity here in Broncos country through one week of the preseason. So let's go through this first-team offense and what we saw. Let's just just go drive by drive. I think that's probably the simplest way to go about this. First drive, obviously... Denver's defense does their job, gets Arizona off the field. The Broncos come out. And it was deja vu to what we saw for the most part last year. Defense does their job, puts in a long drive, gets the opposing offense off the field, and Denver's offense comes out and goes three now. <laughs> surprised? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't say surprised. I would just say, you know, 
it was like a, another wave, Chad, of here we go again. Yeah, well, it's a brand new offense. It's a new head coach. To expect the first drive to be some kind of instant slam dunk with a uh, new coach, Russell Wilson, trying to get back to form, all that. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot to expect for a situation that that doesn't that usually warrant that kind of hopefulness and, and expectations. Mm. It takes time for these things to come together. Right. Right. And and Russ throws behind Troutman there on the yep. little rollout in the first play we saw. He just didn't read his progressions. Right. Had pressure in his face. And that will become a theme as we continue on here this morning about pressure in Denver's quarterbacks' faces because Warren Sharp, a Sharp football analysis put out over the weekend, a list of the pressure rate among quarterbacks for week one of the preseason. Three, okay, the top three quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Russell Wilson, Jake Browning, Jared Stidham. Russell Wilson saw pressure on more than 60% of his dropbacks. And I believe Stidham over 55%. So constantly having to negotiate what you see in front of you and keeping your eyes downfield. So the first drive, obviously not great. You go three and out, yep. not ideal. Not ideal whatsoever. Second drive, you come out, bang, 19-yard completion to Jerry Judy. You're off and rolling. Then, of course, Russ with the self-sack drops the football, hops back on it. It takes you out of makeable field goal range. Now you've got a long field goal, Chad, and here comes Brett Maher. <laughs> And he missed it, Chad. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Not a great kicking battle so far this year in camp. That is the understatement of the century, I think. I think this is a position that we all expected that the Broncos would be in. And later we'll have a more, you know, dedicated conversation for the kickers. But honestly, I feel like they were kind of, they kind of got what they asked for. And, and we'll get back around to it. But you missed the field goal, okay? Right, so, right. so instantly you've got no momentum mm-hmm. based upon your second drive. So now you got nothing out of your first two drives. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. Not a good start. Correct. Not a good start whatsoever. Right. All right, so then you get the ball back, right? Defense defense comes up with the with the interception on the second drive. You get the ball back on the third drive because you hold Arizona to three and out. And now you finally started to see getting the first first down on the ground, mm-hmm. running the ball, setting up the play action, and, Chad, we saw sequencing of plays from this Broncos offense. This offense is going to be best when they do those kinds of things. Uh, I've played against this style of offense where defensively, you have no tell from the formation. You have no tell from the personnel. And you are constantly being asked to do conflicting things. I've got to be downhill because they've run the ball in the previous play. Oh, now there's a play action pass and the tight end sneak it behind me. I've got to defend this edge because this could be an outside play. Now it's bootleg the opposite way. They, they understand my rules as a defender. They put me in conflict where I can nearly, where it's very difficult for me to be right every single time. Right. And they have a quarterback who is capable of recognizing the defender who's made the wrong choice in that conflicted position that the offense puts them in. Right, and and when you're sequencing those things, you set it up two straight runs to P. Ryan. You get the first first down. Now you're in action. It opens up your playbook, right? right? Because you've already established the ground game, you're getting linebackers and safeties to start moving up. But as we know, in the NFL, a lot of teams these days like to play the cover two too high and take away the home run ball. Right. Well, if you can establish the ground game as they did to begin the third drive there, you get 
your front seven to start cheating up just a little bit to play for the run, especially if you're running play action that makes it look like a run. Your safeties are sinking back, and you open up your intermediates, right? Your 15-yard completions, which we saw Russ take advantage of several different times with Sutton and Jerry Judy. Yeah, the ability to dictate to the defense, oh, you want to play too high, we're going to force a safety down in the box. Oh, you want to stay dedicated to that too high look, we're going to force your linebackers to start creeping up. You can dictate the defense's movement by the play calling, and to your point, the sequence of play calls to put your offense in a position to be successful. Right, and so finally, you started to string together some momentum, which last year, one of the most frustrating parts about watching Nathaniel Hackett and this Broncos offense was it never got better. They never built on what they did, either the drive before or the week before. It was the same. It felt like they continually were running into the same wall over and over again. But you started to see progress, mid-game adjustments. And, again, I think that's another trade of Sean Payton. Yeah, now... <laughs> I'm not trying to give him too much credit. A little bit. Okay, all right. Uh, all you right know, well, call you me know, out then. Uh, you know, because we just talked about the first couple drives that went nowhere, and now sure. suddenly we're like, oh, on this third drive, man, it was a, it was a play-calling exposition of awesome greatness. Sure. You know, it, it, was, a, it was an NFL-called drive where plays are stacked up, where you're beginning to show the defense enough where they begin to make guesses and mental predictions, and then you're able to put those guys into conflict, which is what you're supposed to do. I know we're coming off of an offense last year that didn't do those things, okay, so, but the so things maybe that Sean Payton are yeah, doing right now, yeah. this is this is literally professional football 101. He's not operating at some super high level in game one of the preseason. This is how it's supposed to look. Well, that in and of itself is a huge step forward from what you just mentioned because last year that didn't exist. And so for the Broncos actually on one drive to go out and put you know, one foot in front of the other is encouraging, right? And to me, at least, building upon what we saw the next drive and we'll get there, but at least Getting better throughout the course of the game, I felt like, was something we didn't see last year. And you'd hope that with a guy like Sean Payton, that throughout the course of a game, players get more comfortable, coaching staff gets more comfortable, and they're able to better read what's happening in front of them. Yeah, again, this this is training camp, so we can't look at this literally from a pure performance standpoint. There has to be a progression before you get to the top. If it was it's so easy just to snap your fingers and be a top five NFL offense, right. then everybody would do it. It takes work. It takes time to, to get there. It takes repetitions. It takes the, the nuance of it all. I've been on the last two weeks a very deep dive into uh, wide zone and the, and, and the whole entire concept around that. So mm. last night I watched... Tennessee Titans with, with uh, Derrick Henry and their sure. wide zone attack. I've watched Alex Gibbs coaching tape from 20, 30 years ago wow. where he's t- where he's talking to coaches. So I'm de- doing a deep dive into this. And the amount of dedication that has to be to this offense, the amount of work it has to be to be able to run the same play over and over and over again, but take what the defense gives you. It takes a lot of time to be able to pull all that off. And that's just the running game part of it. Once you start adding in the boots, the, the, the counter plays, all the play action passes, it takes a lot more time to all that to sink in and to become second nature to everybody. So uh, I am not discouraged 
nor am I overly encouraged because I know how much time it takes to pull this off. And after one game, while we want to analyze that, certainly, because that's you and I's job here today, we also have to take it all with a grain of salt and recognize this is a work in progress. On that third drive, we also saw the tight end screen to Troutman, right? That was set up off of the two runs and the other play action to Cortland. I, I really liked that. I thought they executed that well. Thought Troutman showed nicely. But then... You know, you missed the field goal again yeah. on the third drive, and it was Elliott Fry this time. So now, Chad, your your defense is frustrated because they've done their job. They've held Arizona scoreless. They've held them, you know, primarily inside their own territory. Now here comes your offense that you've got an opportunity. You're in striking position twice, and you come up with zero. So you should be up 6 nothing. You're tied at nothing. Fourth drive, you come out, and it's like just bashing your head against the wall, Chad, until something finally breaks. And if the Broncos don't convert on that fourth down, I wonder if the narrative changes a little bit. But it was good to see that Russell was able to navigate a lot of pressure in his face, Chad, and eventually come back to that same look where they're utilizing the middle of the field because they were able to establish a ground game and get it to open up. And they hit Judy. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to your slightly breathless commentary about the field goal kickers. Would you rather them miss here in the preseason or miss in the regular season? I'd rather them not miss at all, Chad. But in the preseason <laughs> would definitely be where I'd rather them miss. And it was a blessing in disguise because now you actually know what you're working with here. And right. the yips that Maher was dealing with in the playoffs. I mean, it's probably still around here, Chad. Yeah, well, you got to see what these guys have. Not everybody's a primetime player. If we can figure it out here in game one or game two, well, let's figure it out here. This is what this process is for. While preseason games don't count, they, some things do matter. And so to see the kickers disappointed performance, it's, it's another eye-opener. Okay, maybe we don't have the right guys here. Let's continue to give these guys these primetime clutch situations and see who can step up and become the guy. We'll dig back more into some of the takeaways from what we saw out of the first team offense here for Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos, but when we come back, our DenverSports.com senior Broncos writer, Andrew Mason, will join us nice. as we are live here from the DenverSports.com zone across the street from Centura Training Center at Broncos Training Camp. <laughs> From the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023, thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Getting set for today's practice, the Players Club, powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning, all electric and built Ford Tough. Yeah, here, here's the Nate Jackson influence on the Players Club right here. I can feel it. What? This is all Nate. No. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is Nate Jackson right here. It's a good song. The voice you're exclusive to Nate. The voice you're hearing is not Nate Jackson. It's Matt Smith who's in for Nate and Orlando today alongside Chad. And of course, we are here live at the DenverSports.com zone across the street from Centura Training Center, courtesy of Randy Ross and our friends over there at the tennis center. Look, Chad. We, we spoke about Sean Pate. We spoke about the first-team offense, and you hadn't had a chance to react to the other night and uh, Denver's opening loss, opening preseason loss to Arizona, 18-17. to 17. Defensively, however, and we spoke about the offense, but defensively, I want to preface this conversation with this. Patrick Sertan did not play. Kaywon Williams did not play, and Justin Simmons did not play. And we'll get back to the defense because we do have Mace live on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. Our, our, our senior Denver Broncos writer of DenverSports.com, Andrew Mason. Good morning, Mace. How you doing, buddy? All right. How are you? We are doing well. We are doing well. Chad and I were just speaking a little bit earlier, Mace, about how 
you know, through 15 weeks of the season before Nathaniel Hackett got fired last year, we didn't really see an offensive identity. And through one week in the preseason, I think you're seeing foundational building blocks of what could be Sean Payton's offensive identity. Well, the whole problem with how Nathaniel Hackett did the install uh, last year and how they and, and what they put in was they tried to uh, I think they tried to do too much and I remember uh, I've told the story a few times but um, it was uh, Tim Patrick during OTAs who alluded to how much study they were having to put in as far back as May 2022 on a daily basis like you know basically you know being at the facility most of the day you know having extra sessions having extra meetings and then spending their the better part the better part of their evenings three four hours a night trying to ingest everything because they were throwing so much at them and then you compare that to the approach that Sean Payton took this year where you know instead of you know they, they didn't even have meetings for nearly a month after uh, they gathered and they just and they, they I think what you're seeing is you're seeing a a a, a level building process here where you try to uh, you know, get some core competencies and then steadily expand upon that. And ideally, you're expanding upon that over years uh, if this thing ends up working out. So that, and I think because of that, they're able to establish an identity much more quickly rather than having this attempt to ingest everything all at once and not developing core competencies and strengths first. Mace, I, I think there's several components to establishing a, a core identity, to, to steal your phrase there. Obviously, the coaching aspect, the ability for the coordinator to be able to stack up plays that look the same to the defense and have play-action passes and bootlegs and waggles. That's all part of it. But you need your players on the field to perform to be able to pull off that identity. This offensive line had a rocky start to the preseason, not such a good outing in game one for them. Uh, what's your take on the offensive line overall? And I saw that you had Garrett Bowles on your stock down list uh, in your write-up on denversports.com. I mean, I think that kind of says it all right there when you've got uh, one, of, you know, one of your key linemen, maybe the key lineman up front, and he is struggling mightily. I think the concern on Garrett Bowles right now is, A, coming off that fractured ankle and We've seen offensive linemen deep in their careers have fractured ankles and not be the same player after that. It happened to Chris Cooper here about a little over a decade ago. It happened uh, even with Graham Glasgow more recently. Really, you know, he really struggling at times uh, last year when he when he was used. He was not the same player as he was before. So that I think is a legitimate concern right now. And the sack that he allowed in the game against Arizona, that's also concerning because he's given up a lot of, of sacks and the potential QB hits during practice uh, being beat in a very similar way. So I think it, it basically starts it starts there. I think you'll, you'll probably see some improvement as the group gets, co- gets cohesion and traction. And again, in terms of developing the identity, you hope you get more improvement as you establish the run more and you allow those linemen to attack rather than retreat in, in pass pro sets and allow them to, to dictate terms a little bit more as you get into the season. But uh, I would also say, like, one thing that, you, that you're, you're, you learn in the preseason is, okay, what are the strengths and weaknesses, and then 
what can we take in terms of the, the core concepts that we've established and then which ones we emphasize going forward and uh, continue to and continue to work with and expand upon based on the strengths and weaknesses of the team. And I think that may mean a, a team that does uh, try to establish the run maybe even more than we expected. Mace, as we understand it, we do have a little bit of breaking Broncos news, a transaction. Do you want to fill us in? Yeah, Elliot Fry. He's uh, no longer with the team, and they bring in a, and they bring in a new long snapper. Elliot Fry, who of course was signed first as the as the first option, I guess, at kicker that Sean Payton brought in until he eventually brought in Brad Maher. We saw Fry the other night. He missed a fifty yard field goal, and then he made a fifty five yard field goal. Mace, we spoke about it a little bit yesterday, and and I just didn't understand. You had two guys here that you had questions, and right now I don't know what the purpose of that. Do you anticipate Denver bringing someone else in this week? No, at kicker, no, because. Like because I know you and I talked about this on the drive yesterday. Um, the first uh, instinct is going to be to see uh, if Brett Maher's not the guy, then to wait out the market and see which players become available when teams cut the roster. Because, because with Sean Payton and his experience, the best kicker, the most stable kicking situation that he found uh, was when they brought in Will Lutz in New Orleans in 2016. He's been their kicker ever since, although he missed 2021 due to injury. And they found him after the cut to 53, and they brought and and brought him in. And when so when Sean Payton talks about how in the kicking competition, even before they brought in Brett Maher, it was only Elliot Fry. He made a point of saying, "Look, I mean, the, they're competing with kickers all over the league because inevitably a bunch of kickers are going to be on the market at the end of the month when they, they cut down the roster." And you may be able to find your long-term solution there, rather than uh, rather than going for one of the veterans who is still out there, who's still out there on the market. So I don't think they're going. You're going to see another kicker come in right away. I think I think what'll happen is you'll see Maher uh, get the kick this week and then reassess, and then if he's still the only kicker, he gets the kick kicks next week, and then essentially Maher being evaluated against every other kicker who might be available. Look, the Broncos have done this as well. This is how they got Brandon McManus back in 2014. Uh, they had, you know, they had uh, other kickers in the mix on the roster when Matt Prater was facing a four-game suspension. And McManus, there wasn't room for him, I believe, with the New York Giants at the time. And so the Broncos traded a, a conditional late-round draft choice uh, to get McManus, at, rather than see him on the on the wire. So I would, I would, I would surmise that you you may see a similar type of deal if the Broncos do not see what they want in Brett Maher. But that experience that Sean Payne has is why he's going to be, I think he's going to be patient with this, even though this may drive people up the wall. Thank you, Mace. We appreciate it, buddy. No problem. That is, that is our senior Broncos writer at denversports.com on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. And, of course, our broadcast from Training Camp 2023 is powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning, all electric and built forward tough, just like my good buddy Chad Brown over here. When we come back, we'll get back to the defense, and we'll also have that kicker conversation as the breaking news is Elliot Fry. One of two kickers on this Broncos roster has been waived. We'll shed some more light on the situation next. 
Live from the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023. Thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Getting set for today's practice. The Players Club, powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning. All electric and built for tough. I asked if I could join the Players Club today since Nate Jackson was going to be over at practice and I texted Chad Brown. I said, Chad, would it be okay with you? Can I kick it? Yes, you can, man. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate that, Chad. And of course, look, you know, a bit of a somber note here to start, but something worth mentioning because we here in Colorado are all too familiar with the dangers of wildfires and it's been heartbreaking to watch the news coming out of Maui this week. Our company Bonneville has launched a fundraiser to help the people of Maui. Head to DenverSports.com and at the top of the page you'll see a link to the Bonneville Maui Strong Fire Relief Fund. 100% of the donations will go to the Hawaii Community Foundation serving Maui. Again, that's the Bonneville Maui Strong Fire Relief Fund at DenverSports.com. Chad, we begun to have the conversation before we were joined by Mace about the Broncos defense and our takeaways and you didn't assign a letter grade to the first team offense but I'll just tell you mine you know just just in that in the effort of moving this along C plus is kind of what I gave them mm-hmm. would, would you agree with that assessment yeah sounds about right yeah that's fair defensively though I think it was much better but before we do have this conversation, I think it's important to preface it with the fact that Patrick Sutan didn't play, K1 Williams didn't play, Justin Simmons didn't play, Frank Clark didn't play, Randy Gregory barely played, right? DJ Jones got hurt, Josie Jewell, Nick Benito got hurt. What did you see out of that first team offense? Uh, defense, rather, excuse me. Uh, I, I saw a defense that knew what it was doing, and that's further ahead than this offense. Let's face it, the Vance Joseph, Vic Fangio, Evero Evero Ejiro, now Vance Joseph again. That turnover from those four coaches—well, three because VJ's two of them—hasn't uh, been as significant as the offensive stylistic turnover. Has not been as difficult because the terminology may be different, but the structure and the scheme remains the same. Uh, the core principles of all three of those different coaches. So this defense is not relearning what they're doing. They're incorporating some new guys. Uh, there may be a little bit of language change from from Vance to from what they did last year, but it's essentially the, the very same scheme. Some things will be emphasized differently. So uh, this defense performed as I expected them to, a defense that's comfortable with the scheme. And now it's just up to the players to go out and make plays as opposed to we need to spend the entire preseason getting to know where the guy next to me is. These guys already know that. I want to get back into something that you just said here coming up in a a little bit, but I think they passed the test, right? With with what they were given and what they were asked to do, I thought it was a great sign to see Zach Allen, even though we just saw him, you know, for for a few drives there. He was held on two of the first, you know, three plays of this football game, no calls, but he has been as advertised so far in training camp. He's a load down there. Yeah, he's a great addition. You know, I, I don't think he has quite the athleticism of, of a Draymond Jones as far as getting after the quarterback, but we've seen what I expected. Steady, consistent play from a player who's found ways to improve every single year's career. I've called a number of Cardinal games over the last couple of seasons, and he's a guy who every year I was like, oh, wow, he's flashing bigger and better than what he did the year before. So I expect him to continue that level of improvement that he started early on in his career. He learned a lot from J.J. Watt in Arizona. Now he gets a chance to bring that here with a chance to be the guy 
up front on that defensive line as opposed to kind of being a substitute where he was in Arizona. Sure, and we hear a lot about, you know, the loss of Draymond Jones, but if you look back at the numbers from last year, Draymond Jones and Zach Allen had damn near the same numbers. Like, it was, you know, they'd be separated by a tackle in this category or a quarterback pressure here, but it was almost identical. So to see that there's at least not going to be any drop-off there, from that position, that was a concern of mine because, you know, Zach Allen isn't one of the, you know, it's not a name that you hear when you think of great defensive linemen, at least not yet, not until he can really prove himself on on maybe his own individual level. And like you said, getting a big boost learning under J.J. Watt, right? Well, I think there's a couple different, you know, style of free agents you go after. Sometimes a star is occasionally available, but that star comes with a superstar price tag sure. uh, versus a guy like Zach Allen who's, emerging, right. you know, been, been groomed under J.J. Watt, kind of playing J.J. Watt's shadow out there in Arizona. But a guy, as I said earlier, who's improved every single year, his run game uh, ability to defend the run, his ability to get after the passer, his repertoire of pass rushing moves, his understanding of what's being asked of him defensively, his understanding of how offenses want to attack him. All those things have improved over the last couple of seasons. So we got a player who we have to pay at the absolute top of the market but is finding ways to ascend and get closer to being that superstar every year. And he looks, at least he projects to be an extremely important part of this defensive line because they're not very deep. That's one thing we do know, at least about the Broncos up front defensively. Now, one of the bigger injuries that they suffered in this game was DJ Jones, who was ruled out with a concussion. I'm fine if we don't see him the rest of preseason. My, that is not a guy that I need to see the rest of preseason football. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, I, I think I feel comfortable with that. With the concussion, you may definitely want to make sure that's taken care of before the season starts. You want those issues to linger, uh, either from a team standpoint or from a personal standpoint. Uh, and I think DJ Jones is enough of a veteran, uh, plays a position that's not so intricately linked to other people as far as timing and things like that. We think sure. about a quarterback receiver that takes reps to get all those things down to be a nose tackle to play head up one technique two technique to loop around on the pass rush it's not a lot of complexity to that right so if right. he's able to uh you know sit the rest of the preseason out i don't think he would suffer greatly from that i want to shine while, while we're having this conversation about the defensive line i want to shine the spotlight on two guys who really caught my eye on friday night who i think have stepped up in, in a spot where the Broncos really needed somebody to. Obviously, Mike Purcell on the NFI list. You don't know what the situation is there with your backup nose tackle. Then you look further down the depth chart, and oh boy, Uazarike gets suspend, suspended for the entire season. So now you're in a position where you're going to be relying upon maybe some back end of the draft, undrafted guys to step up and prove that they can be contributors. And I think Matt Henningsen and Elijah Garcia are starting to cement themselves as some of the back end of the roster there for the Broncos, who may end up playing significant roles for them this year. Well, you mentioned those two guys being out, Wazirike and Mike Purcell. So it's an opportunity. Every time someone goes down, there's an opportunity for somebody right. else. And if if it's Henderson and Garcia, uh, they certainly flashed in game one. I've seen Henderson flash in a couple of practices that I've been to. So uh, if they can continue on that and, and keep gathering the coach's eyes with these flashy kind of plays, then, yeah, this opportunity, because opportunity is nothing unless you seize it. Mm-hmm. So you got on the field. You've been given the opportunity. Are you able to go out there and make plays in season? And both those guys, at least in game one, were able to do that. I saw a little bit of that with Elijah Garcia out here at practice. He's got a rare combo of speed, size, and power. I just think it's kind of like a raw package that you've kind of, that you got to polish, right? Right. And, and I think that we're seeing some early signs of him, of him having a little dog in him 
which is, I think, a good sign because the Broncos, I wouldn't say, necessarily have a ton of that up front defensively. Who, uh, is, is there a dog on this team? That's a good question. Is there? I think there probably, I think there probably are two. Okay. I would probably put Simmons and Sertan. And I would probably classify those two guys as dogs. Uh, I would go, okay, I, I, I was thinking more Randy Gregory okay. and yeah, Kareem Jackson. Okay. Because a dog is, is not just a play style. It's also, you know, trash talking, high energy, loud, boisterous. Simmons does that too. Simmons talks? He does talk. But he's such a nice guy. Okay. Okay. So he's not a dog is what you're telling uh, me. I'm not saying he's not Breaking a dog. Breaking news. Chad I'm Brown is saying that Patrick Sertan and Justin Simmons are not dogs. So I, I don't know how to tell you, Brian. But I'm just saying Justin Simmons, you know, uh, uh, the, there's a little bit more of a roughneck I'm looking for for my dogs. Okay. So who are the dogs on this defense? Uh, I'll go with Randy Gregory. Um, Kareem Jackson, even though he's splitting time with Caden Stearns. Can you be a dog on the sideline? Uh, you, you can be a dog. You can get a guy who was once a dog. Okay. Who still has a little bit of dog left that the coaches are trying to use in the right situation. <laughs> or like a service dog. <laughs> <laughs> Emotional hey, support dog. Yeah, I wanted to bring up something that you just mentioned to start the segment. You were talking about this defense and the scheme not changing. Explain to me the difference between VJ style and what we saw out of Vivero, because at least on Friday night to me, it appeared that the Broncos were defensively, as advertised, going to take more chances, going to blitz a little bit more. Am I reading that right or wrong? Uh, I think the last couple of years, VJ has been towards the tops of the league at pressure packages and pressure plays called defensively. So just a, a philosophical difference as to how the defense is called as opposed to a structural right. difference. You know, when I was in Seattle eight years, six different coordinators in eight years. That's impossible. It's just, you That's know, tough. you give yourself no chance. If every year everyone's relearning the language, every year everyone's relearning responsibilities and assignments versus what they're doing now, it's just some subtle tweaks of philosophy. Vic's philosophy was different than Evero's. Evero's philosophy is different than VJ's, but the structure of their defense is, is still the same. The, the guys up front play a gap and a half. They want to be 3-4. They want to keep a, a, a void, bringing that safety down the box so they can have coverage on the back end. So the core philosophies are the same. That's why the defense was able to go out and play at a much higher level to start camp and even to start the preseason with game one. One of the plays that really stuck out to me was the was the play the Broncos offense, excuse me, Broncos defense got Arizona's offense off the field on the first drive. Alex Singleton on a third and one, great play call there from VJ, shoots the gap, reads it perfectly, and makes the tackle in the backfield to get Arizona off the field. But you also open yourself up on the back end where I think maybe with some of the reserves as the game drew on into the second half that you saw maybe, okay, hey, look, you're going to take a lot of these chances, right? You may end up giving something up on the backside. Do you, does that bother you? Uh, it, you have to tune your game plan to who's on the field. Now, if VJ were to forced to go with uh, Kayvon Key at free safety because Justin Simmons is out, <laughs> right. then, then, yeah, you may be forced to ignore the pressure part of your play sheet mm. if that's the situation. But if Justin Simmons is on the field and you've got an eraser back there at free safety, then, heck, yeah, let's be aggressive because this guy's going to erase any mistakes that come up. Yeah, I like that because in preseason, you got to know what you have, right? And you're going to call your defense the way that you'd call it in a game because you need to see if even some of your depth pieces can do what you're going to or potentially would ask them to do over the course of a game. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. So that, that's a good way to put it, Chad. I like that because I definitely did notice Vance's impact on the sideline. He and Sean Payton, I felt like, have a good rapport here early. They were communicating a lot. And that's what you want, right, as a head coach to have even a sounding board there in Vance Joseph. I thought, it, you know, 
when that hire was made, it was definitely like, oh boy, is it too soon? Is this, you know, is this a little awkward based upon everybody's history, right? But I think it's actually gone quite swimmingly so far. It's, it's. I think, I think it's been a smooth camp. There's certainly been ups and downs, and we have been breathless as, as a media about the offense and Russell Wilson and all that. But I'd say from beginning to to where we are right now, there have not been anything that strikes me as outside of normal training camp situations and issues to deal with. We are here live from training camp 2023 in the denversports.com zone. Thanks to our friends from Con Construction, a commercial general contractor specializing in tenant improvement and design build projects for over three decades. That's Con, K-A-H-N, construction.com. On the other side, we had some breaking Broncos news this morning, and there will be some fallout. I want Chad's take next.